Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week 5 had a bit of everything with Air Force and Fresno State taking care of business. Big wins for UNLV and Utah State and a brewing quarterback controversy in Boise. We'll talk about it all after we recap all of last week's games. We'll then get you prepared for week 6. As always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Let's get right into it. First, let's go over Boise State heading to Memphis to take on the 3-1 and Tigers. In arguably this week's most highly anticipated matchup, the Broncos got off to a great start with two Ashton Genty touchdown runs, putting them up 17-0 with six minutes left in the first half. The Tigers offense finally woke up, scoring two touchdowns before the end of the half. Both teams traded punts back and forth before a long Boise drive would give them a chance to add to their lead. On 4th and 1, Andy Avalos originally decided to go for it before changing his mind, calling a timeout, and sending out the kick team to try and go up 6, but disaster struck with a blown protection leading to a block, which was scooped up and ran back 93 yards to give Memphis their first lead of the game with 16 minutes to play. Hindsight is 20-20, but the decision to not try and pick up 1 yard with your 6 foot 6 QB, an insanely talented running back, and instead go for the 24-yard field goal would still leave you vulnerable to a go-ahead touchdown was a baffling one from Andy Avalos. He defended it in the post-game presser, but I'm almost positive he would take that timeout back if he could. Boise State responded with a nine-play drive, but it ended with a punt inside the Tigers' 40-yard line. Memphis scored another touchdown to go up by 11, and then Avalos pulled his star QB in favor of Maddox Madsen. Kalen wasn't spectacular and did finish the last drive with four straight incompletions, but the move was still shocking. This is a guy who we picked at our site for offensive player of the year, and he's getting pulled in a two-possession game in the fourth quarter. Who could have predicted that at the beginning of the season? Back to the game, though. Madsen marched down the field and found the end zone, plus the two-point conversion to make it a three-point game, but a seven-minute, 13-play touchdown drive from Memphis would seal the deal. Madsen again orchestrated a touchdown drive that ended with a Genty touchdown, his fourth of the day, but after the onside kick failed, it was over. Final score was Memphis 35-32 in a season with so much hype coming into it. The Broncos have not lived up to it. We'll see if they can regroup for the conference season. While Talon Green did get pulled, his stats look about the same as they have in every other game. 12 of 24, 200 passing yards, and 51 rushing yards. Wasn't making any big plays, so I guess I understand the QB switch, but I still think not going for it on fourth down with your six foot six QB is something that Andy Avalos is really going to regret looking back on this game. In defense of the switch, Maddox Madsen was pretty solid. He won 11 of 14, 175 passing yards, and two touchdowns. We'll talk more about that quarterback controversy in the game review, but coaches have made it pretty obvious that both quarterbacks are going to be getting playing time in the game next week. There's a real chance that the guy that we picked at our site for Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year could end up being bent in the coming week. Ashton Genty had another incredible game. He had 23 carries for 82 rushing yards. Wasn't too crazy, but then he had two rushing touchdowns, and then in addition to his 53 receiving yards, he had another two touchdown catches, so four touchdowns is just an incredible game, even though it wasn't enough for the Broncos to get the win. Without Genty, they wouldn't have even been in that game. Eric McAllister had a pretty good game. He had five catches, 98 receiving 
receiving yards. On the defensive side, Ahmed Hassanane had a pretty good game with six tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Next up, we have Utah State going on the road to stores to play UConn. One of the week's most interesting contests, UConn got off to a blazing start, picking off McKay Hillstead twice on their way to a 17-0 halftime lead, or at least that's what they thought. With 14 seconds to go, Colby Bowman burnt his man deep and caught the perfect pass from Hillstead to get the Aggies on the board. Utah State suffered a real blow when Hillstead got crushed by two UConn D linemen, making him leave the game. Later, we found out he got a concussion. Cooper Laga, who lost his starting job a few short weeks ago, didn't blink, throwing a touchdown to Jalen Royals on his first throw to cut the Huskies' lead to three. The Aggies tied it up with a field goal and took the lead on a 71-yard heave from Laga to Royals again. UConn's offense finally woke up, tying the game with 14 minutes to play, but just a minute later, for the third time, Laga found Jalen Royals, this time for the 51-yard go-ahead score. Both teams traded field goals, then traded punts, before UConn marched 85 yards to tie the game with 40 seconds left. At least, that's what they thought. Ike Larson perfectly timed his jump on the extra point attempt and blocked the kick in the most improbable possible fashion. Utah State gets to 2-3. and three. Just unreal. Cooper Legault was just incredible off the bench. He went 11 of 13, 204 passing yards, and three touchdowns along with 26 rushing yards in just two quarters of work. Will be very interesting to see if he can keep that momentum going into next week against Colorado State. Jalen Royals had one of the best performances of anyone in the country this week with seven catches, 185 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. On the defensive side, MJ Tafisi led the team with 13 tackles. Devin Dye had another big game with 10 tackles and an interception. Anthony Switzer was phenomenal with 10 tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. And Ike Larson had six tackles, a deflection, and of course, the game-winning blocked extra point. Next, let's talk about Nevada and Fresno State opening up their conference play. While no one expected this game to be close, it was for a little bit. The Wolfpack opened up with an 18-play drive that somehow ended in a punt. Mikey Keene hit Jalen Gill for a 65-yard bomb to get on the scoreboard first. Nevada's defense forced a turnover on downs and got an interception, but their offense went three and out three straight times. Malik Sherrod broke off a 72-yard house call before halftime to go up 14-0. Nevada got another opportunity to get back into the game with Imani Johnson getting his second interception of the game on the Bulldogs opening drive of the half, but they defaulted to three and out. Two field goals from Fresno State would put them up 20 to nothing. and after Jalen Gill's second touchdown catch of the day, it's all wrapped up. Nevada made the end of the game entertaining at least. Brendan Lewis threw back-to-back interceptions, but the second gave them the chance to get a safety. Yep, they scored. AJ Bianco would throw a touchdown in relief with 11 seconds left to cover the spread, but overall another disappointing showing from the Wolfpack offense and another win for the defending champions. Mikey Keene played pretty well. He went 26 of 34, 269 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Malik Sherrod had his best game of the year with 12 carries, 133 rushing yards, and a touchdown, as well as 18 receiving yards. Jalen Gill, the transfer from Boston College, having his breakout game, eight catches, 126 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Defensively, there was a lot of guys making plays.
plays, but notably Maurice Norris had three tackles, one and a half sacks, a deflection, and an interception. Carlton Johnson got a interception as well. And Cameron Braca had six tackles, one and a half sacks, and a deflection. For Nevada, Brendan Lewis just didn't have it today. He went 10 of 21, 70 passing yards, two interceptions, only ran for 25 yards, which did lead the team, but he also had a fumble as well. AJ Bianco in a short time in relief did pretty well, 9 of 14, 97 passing yards and a touchdown. You'd have to wonder if Ken Wilson is at least considering making a QB switch. Spencer Curtis had eight catches for 73 receiving yards and a touchdown, and Imani Johnson had a great game with eight tackles and two interceptions. Next, we had Hawaii visiting UNLV, who was 3-1. and one. Both teams were beginning their conference campaigns in the Ninth Island Showdown, and the Rebels controlled this one from start to finish. Vincent Davis caught a 16-yard pass for a touchdown to open up the scoring six minutes into the game. The second quarter had three field goals, two of them being for UNLV, and finished with a Courtney Reese touchdown run with 45 seconds left in the half to put them up 22-3. Hawaii finally got something going offensively using a double reverse flea flicker to get Stephen McBride into the end zone from 51 yards out, as well as hitting another field goal, but Courtney Reese found the end zone again in the third quarter to give UNLV some cushion. Down 32-13, Braden Shager threw another long touchdown pass to give the Rainbow Warriors a chance down 10 with 13 minutes left, but Jaden Maiava threw a short touchdown pass to put the game away. If that didn't end the game, Donovan Lester's 22-yard run to the house with five minutes left certainly did. Barry Odom's team continues to get it done while Hawaii drops to two and four. Maiava continues to play solidly in relief for Doug Brumfield, 11 of 21, 142 passing yards, two touchdowns, and 32 rushing yards as well. He's been incredibly good at protecting the ball for a true freshman. Donovan Lester had a great game with 12 carries, 98 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Courtney Reese also had a good game with 45 total yards and two rushing touchdowns. And I want to shout out Jonathan Baldwin, who had nine tackles, which led the team, two TFLs, and a sack. Braden Shager played all right, 22 of 35, 313 passing yards, two touchdowns, but he did have two turnovers, an interception, and a fumble. Stephen McBride really had a great game. He had six catches, 180 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And sophomore Jalen Smith, a name I haven't seen yet, he had a great game with 10 tackles, one and a half TFLs, and a deflection. Also want to mention that for their win, UNLV will get to keep the Golden Pineapple Trophy. Next, we had the 2-2 two and two New Mexico Lobos taking on the 3-1 and one Wyoming Cowboys in Laramie. It was a close first Mountain West game for both teams. The Lobos scored a touchdown on their opening drive, but the extra point was blocked, scooped up by Ja'Cory Hawkins, who took it to the house just like he did against Appalachian State to make it a 6-2 game. Points would be much harder to come by for the rest of the game. Andrew Peasley ran into the end zone to give the Cowboys a three-point lead before both teams hit second quarter field goals to send Wyoming into halftime with a 12-9 lead. The Cowboys opened up the second half with a field goal and then Rook Brown picked off Dylan Hopkins. A few plays later, Harrison Whaley took the next handoff to the crib to give them a 13-point lead. The Lobos converted on a field goal on their ensuing drive, but Wyoming again had a one-play touchdown drive. This time, it was a 66-yard catch and run from Ayer Asante to put them up by 17 just before the start of the fourth quarter. Danny Gonzalez would try a switch at quarterback, bringing in three-star Phoenix native Devin Dampierre, and it worked well with him throwing two touchdowns in his three drives, but the damage had already been done. Wyoming 
Wyoming wins by nine to get to four and one before their huge matchup with Fresno State, while New Mexico gets a week of rest before they return home to host San Jose State. Andrew Peasley had a solid performance, 16 of 25, 194 passing yards, a touchdown, also ran for 34 rushing yards and a touchdown, did have a fumble though. Harrison Whaley just continues to dominate, 18 carries, 191 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's averaging an absolutely absurd 8.6 yards a carry right now. Easton Gibbs had eight tackles and two deflections. Rook Brown had five tackles, a tackle for loss, a deflection, and the interception. And Wyatt Eckler was named Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week for four tackles, two sacks, and a fumble recovery. Dylan Hopkins had one of his shakier performances of the year, 15 of 31, 162 passing yards, a touchdown, an interception, and a fumble. Devin Dampierre played pretty well in relief. He had those two passing touchdowns and also ran for 71 yards, which is an element of the game that Dylan Hopkins doesn't have, so maybe there's something to look for in the coming weeks. I don't think Dylan Hopkins is really in danger of losing his job, but something to monitor going forward. Ja'Cory Krosky-Merritt had 92 rushing yards on 14 carries. Jeremiah Hickson had six catches, 49 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Defensively, Tavion Combs and Alec Marenko both had nine tackles. Next up, we had Utah Tech from the FCS taking on Colorado State for Ag Day. The Rams came out firing with, with Torrey Horton getting two big touchdowns to start the game. Two lightning delays would really put a damper on their momentum as Utah Tech secured two passing touchdowns before halftime to make it 21-17. After the Trailblazers opened the half with a field goal to cut the lead to one, Braden Fowler Nicolosi threw a red zone interception to make the upset look even more possible than before, but nothing came of it. Van Shield punched the ball into the end zone with 16 minutes to play to push the Rams lead to seven. Dolan Halker put the game away for good with a ridiculous one-handed grab on third down, which he promptly raced into the end zone to put CSU up by 14. Torrey Horton's third touchdown of the day was the cherry on top as Jay Norvell has his team at two and two going into the start of conference play. Braden Fowler Nicolosi was incredible other than his three turnovers, which obviously put a damper on a bit of things, but just listen to these stats. 26 of 32, 462 passing yards, third most in Ram history, four touchdowns, those two interceptions, and he also ran for a touchdown as well. Corey Horton was just phenomenal. 10 catches, 227 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. There's no more that needs to be said about the man. And Dolan Holker continues to be one of the best tight ends in the entire country. Four catches, 94 receiving yards, and a touchdown. On the defensive side, the Stars played great as well. Chase Wilson had 15 tackles. He is now leading the Mountain West in tackles. Jack Howell had nine tackles and got his first interception of the year. And Mohamed Kamara just continues to be arguably the best edge rusher in the conference. Eight tackles, three tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, and a deflection. And our final game of the week to go over is San Diego State at two and three, visiting Colorado Springs to take on the undefeated Air Force. Another conference opener for both teams. The Aztecs actually got out in front first with a 17-play drive that put them up by seven, but that was about all that would go their way. On one hand, Air Force would find the end zone on every single drive for the rest of the game, while the Aztecs would only get into the end zone again by way of a Trey Taylor pick six that put the Falcons up 42 to 10 halfway through the third. The game went perfectly for Trey Calhoun's guys and couldn't have been worse for the Aztecs. Both teams are heading into a bye week. Zach Larrier had arguably his best game of the 
the year. He was 6 of 7, 189 passing yards and two touchdowns. Big stats for an Air Force quarterback and also ran for 103 yards. He was named the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. Emmanuel Michelle had a solid day of 78 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Cade Harris had an incredible game, 28 rushing yards and a touchdown, and he also had 82 receiving yards and a touchdown. Bo Richter on the defensive side had four tackles, two tackles for loss and a sack, and Trey Taylor had three tackles, two deflections, and that pick six we mentioned earlier. Jalen Maiden overall just didn't make enough plays to make this game close. 13 of 24, 122 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception also ran for 17 yards. And Zyrus Fiaseu had nine tackles. With week five taken care of, let's get into week six, starting with San Jose State coming off the bye week, taking on Boise State coming off of that very disappointing loss against Memphis on the road. In the preseason, this game looked like a potential Titanic matchup. Instead, both teams have fallen short, at least initially, of their lofty goals. The Spartans have only beaten an FCS team so far, and while their losses have a combined record of 18-2, the offense has simply not looked as explosive as hoped, especially the passing game. The secondary has been better than expected, and Brian Parham is having an all-conference type season, but they are one of the worst in the country at stopping the run, which isn't good when you're about to play Ashton Genty. They'll need the pass game to take center stage against the Broncos' poorest secondary, as well as trying their best at keeping Genty out of the end zone. Boise State is 1-0 in conference play, but last week's collapse leaves so many questions, none bigger than at quarterback. Taylor Green just doesn't have the confidence he had last year, and with Avalos making it very clear that both Green and Maddox Madsen will see the field, the offense is reaching the level of turmoil they had last year when they fired their offensive coordinator after the loss to Utah. To win this game, Genty can't be the only player making an impact. Green or Madsen need to keep the defense honest by making them at least think about the passing game. If they can't, it may not matter that one of the conference's best runners is facing one of the worst run defenses. My prediction, with how much chaos there is behind the scenes in Boise, it's enticing to go with the upset. The Spartans have had an extra week to prepare, and the Broncos have the perfect secondary to have a breakout performance against. I think even with Ashton Genty running for another 100 yards and multiple scores, the QB situation ends up being their downfall as they can't score consistently enough to keep up with Chevin Cordero, who has his best game of the year by far. Let's take the shot. My prediction, San Jose State 42, Boise State 37. Next, let's talk about the big game on national television, number 24, Fresno State, taking on the 4-1 Wyoming Cowboys in Laramie, the biggest conference matchup of the year so far. Both teams have the opportunity to get a statement win. The Bulldogs are starting to put it all together with Mikey Keene sitting in second in pass yards and the defense allowing 19 points over the last three games. Wyoming hasn't had a single easy win, but they're still 4-1 thanks to a clutch defense and a run game that's reaching its full potential with Harrison Whaley leading the way. Fresno State will need to get an early lead. If they can, the Cowboys will be forced to try and throw their way back into the game, which won't work against this defense. If they can't, though, Wyoming has made it very clear that if you let them hang around, they'll come out on top somehow. Craig Bull's squad will need to force a few turnovers and control the clock if they want to win. Whaley will also likely need another huge game. My prediction, it's Laramie where weird things always happen, so take my guess with a grain of salt, but I think this is when Wyoming comes back to earth. The offense has done just 
enough to win all four of their games, and they haven't faced a defense as good as the Bulldogs besides Texas. If Whaley doesn't have a historic performance, I don't know if the defense will be able to slow down Fresno State enough to keep the game within reach for their offense. The Cowboys struggled to move the ball all game long as Mikey Keene throws for four touchdowns on their way to their most impressive win yet. My prediction, Fresno State 28, Wyoming 13. And last but not least, we have Colorado State at 2-2 two two, taking on Utah State in Logan. For the Rams, this is their conference opener. While Utah State is coming off a thrilling victory on the road against UConn, the Aggies found their groove on offense after giving freshman McKay Hillstead his shot. And even after he went down with a concussion, Cooper Lagat came back in and the offense looked just as potent. Granted, the defense did give up 33 points to a team that hadn't scored more than 17 yet, but they still made enough plays to get the win. Colorado State is on a two-game win streak after taking care of Utah Tech with an insane offensive output. Braden Fowler Nicolosi appears to be the answer at quarterback, and while the defense has its lapses, they still have some of the best players in the conference right now, like sack leader Muhammad Kamara, tackle leader Chase Wilson, and Jack Howell. If the Rams are going to win their third straight, they'll need to avoid giving up any home runs, which is where the majority of Utah State's points come from. BFN will need to stay hot, and the run game will need to be a factor, especially if Kobe Johnson is back. For the Aggies, Cooper Laga better be ready to throw the ball a lot if they're going to outgun CSU. They're facing a secondary that leads yards, but still makes a good amount of plays, so they'll need to avoid giving the ball away as well. Defensively, they'll need to make Braden Fowler, Nicolosi uncomfortable in the pocket. If they do that, turnovers are almost guaranteed. My prediction, it's essentially a coin flip, but I think I'm going to trust the Rams on this one. The defense looked better than ever towards the end of the Utah Tech game. The offense is good for at least 30 points, which I'm not sure Laga and the Aggies will be able to match. The Rams win by a touchdown thanks to a huge game from Dolan Holker and a late interception by Henry Blackburn. My prediction, Colorado State 35, Utah State 28. And last but not least, let's present our Hikes Peak Weekly MVP, and this one is our first ever two-time winner. We're sending it to Tori Horton. Come back here, Tori. Say what you want about the competition level, but Horton looked like an adult playing with middle schoolers as he racked up the seventh most receiving yards in a single game by a Ram, as well as his third straight game with double-digit catches and multiple touchdowns. Our first ever two-time winner. Congrats, Tori. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here again next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what happened in week six, get you ready for week seven, which has twice as many games as last week. You might have been able to tell from my voice that I'm a bit under the weather. So as for the extra segment I promised you last week, I need a little more time to make it perfect. So look out for that in the next episode. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that. So any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. Keep coming back to the mountain. I'll be waiting. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.